I keep um, music videos playing in my office all the time. Kind of a kind of kills all the noise out in the rest of the office. And when I was getting ready for um, today's message, that song came on that video, and I said, "Wow, it fits perfect with today what we're going to be talking about," because it is a slow fade, and it is um, what happens in our life. A lot of times, it just it creeps, it creeps, it creeps, and then all at once, it's there, and we don't even realize it. If you have your Bibles, turn to, we're going to be in three different places, and um, turn first to Ezra 9, Ezra chapter 9, Psalms 1, and Matthew 7. And while you're turning there, um, I'm going to give you some fun facts about, um, about where we're at. You know, and today, if you looked in your bulletin, I titled today, Where's Mayberry? Because we're not in Mayberry no more. You know, and we're on the back porch, or we're not on the back porch as much as we used to, but we're not even close to Mayberry. And, you know, if you ever watched the Andy Griffith show, you know what I'm referencing right there. Um, fun fact, and here's why I need a couple of y'all maybe to, to give me an answer. What was the first color TV series show, a series that was broadcast across the United States in what year? What was the show in what year? Let's see how good you are. Say again. Guess. Nope. That's what I would have guessed. Bonanza. That was it. Bonanza was the first color TV show to go all the way across the United States, and that was in 1959. So anyway, now you've learned something. That's a fun fact you'll have for the rest of your life. You'll never forget. But you know, as I, as I was looking, because I don't blame TV, but TV has a lot to do with where we're at. You know, because of, and, and I've said it, and I've said it, when we went from black and white to color TV, things changed. You know, not Bonanza. Bonanza a good, clean show. I love to watch Bonanza. If you go to my father-in-law's, you're going to watch it because they put new episodes out apparently all the time. And so, um, because we're always watching. But um, in 1930, this is in 1933, the rules to making movies or shows. Now, I want you to track with me on this. In 1933, nudity, even in a silhouette form, was banned completely from TVs and movies. Showing or talking about divorce or adultery in an attractive light was banned. Most curse words were banned. Kisses couldn't be lustful. They couldn't last more than three seconds. Um, Lovers were not allowed to be in a horizontal position. One partner had to keep one foot on the floor at all times. Beds could not accommodate more than one person. Even actors portraying married couples had to be shown sleeping in separate beds. You know, when you, you read that, you know, and you kind of, you know, you want to laugh to yourself because if you watch TV now, it's nothing close to this, is it? Not even close. You know, I'm all, I was looking for a new Netflix series the other day, and, and, and I've learned I have to look at the rating. Because if it says TV mature, that means if your mama walks in, you're still going to get grounded at 50 years old, you know? And so you have to be careful when you're watching TV and stuff. But what's happened is we have desensitized ourselves to what's going on in the world. And as believers, we've got to the point to where we don't care. Well, oh, it's just a little curse word. I don't curse. It's just on TV or it's just this scene or this scene. But really, is it really? Because just like in that song, it's a slow fade. That stuff starts getting in your mind and it starts controlling 
whether you believe it or not. And then all at once, you walked away from God. And so if you have your Bibles, if you found Ezra, turn to Ezra 9. Ezra 9, we'll read um, verse 6. Ezra 9, verse 6. And it says, I am too ashamed and disgraced, my God, to lift my face to you. Because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. I mean, let that verse sink in. Let me read it to you in the English Standard Version. It says, oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you. My God, for for my iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. You know, when you read that verse, think about that. When's the last time that we've blushed whenever we've sinned? When is the last time we've blushed whenever we've sat and we've watched TV or we've been in conversations with people around us? When is the last time that we've really blushed? As a nation, we have quit blushing. As families, we have quit blushing. You know, and we're talking on families for the next several weeks. As parents and grandparents, we have quit blushing. And then we sit back and we wonder why students and children are where they're at. You know, in, in this, whenever for VBS, I think VBS has to be a big deal for us. VBS has to be a way that we capture our children. It has to start with our children. We have to capture them and show them God's love and show them it's a different way. And so, you know, whenever we do that, we need to teach them that you need to blush. You need to blush. It's okay to blush. And if you go over to Psalms chapter 1, Psalms chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of the, that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. You know, black and white, that's crystal clear. God's telling us right there. You know, it's a slow fade, you know, because how does he do it? He talks about, he says, if you're walking with the wicked, if you're just walking and spending time, you know, That's where it starts. And then whenever we stop and we stand and we start accepting and we quit blushing. And then it goes whenever we sit with them, that's when we're sunk. But his word's clear, it says, but if we meditate, if we meditate on his law day and night, all the time. If I'm meditating on this day and night, I'm going to blush whenever I do something wrong. I'm going to see, I'm going to go back to Mayberry. I'm going to go back to that back porch and start spending time with my family and spending time with God. You know, in Matthew, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verse 13. Matthew 7, verse 13. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few will find it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, and I just ask this morning, Father, just, Father, clear our hearts. Father, clear our minds. Father, teach us how to blush again. Father, give us that desire to chase after you day and night. And let it start today, May 20th, 2018. Father, we love you. 
You know, when you read these words and you start really looking at them and studying and, and trying to, to understand all of it, you know, and I've mentioned, you know, as parents and grandparents, we have to fight for our kids and our grandkids. We have to do it. They're our responsibility. You know, Scripture's clear that the children need to come to Jesus. But we have to be the ones to steer them and get them there. You know, I used to work with a, a guy for 20 years. For most of 20 years, we worked together in engineering. And he was from Scotland. And he was a hot mess. And we'll just say that. Mark probably knows him, Bert. And he was a hot mess. But we would go into meetings. How many of y'all ever watched Braveheart? You ever watched Braveheart? In the movie in Braveheart, remember when he paints his face blue? We would go into meetings sometimes, and Bert would bring two blue highlighters. And he would set them on a the table like that, and he would tell the people in the meeting, he says, look, if this starts getting out of hand, paint my face blue. And he said, we're going to be on then. As parents, we need to paint our face blue. We have to be willing to fight for our families. We have to be willing to fight for our wife, fight for our husband, fight for our kids, fight for our grandkids. Because what Scripture tell us? That we've got to the point that we're not even blushing. You know, Ezra, when he was right before that happened, he literally tore his clothes and was pulling hair out of his head because the sin was so bad in the country right then. When is the last time that we've tore our clothes and pulled our hair and really wept over the sin of our land? You know, we was up in, in, in Nashville this week, and um, when we was up there one morning, and Mr. Bobby Dale sent us a text about everything that was going on in Jerusalem. He said, if I see you again, I told Frank, I said, get on your iPad real quick. Is there something happening that we need to get home for right now? You know, because I don't keep up with current events real good. But are we painting our face blue? Are we willing to fight? But for some of us, we have to start with our heart. For some of us, we have to change as parents and grandparents because we have started that slow fade ourselves. And that's where our kids learn it. They learn from watching. They learn from walking behind us. They learn from spending time with us. And so whenever we start doing this, you know, but Scripture again is crystal clear in Matthew 7. He said it's a narrow gate. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to pick intentionally to walk with me. Because the easy road, everybody's going to take the easy road. But if you want to take my road, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my believer, then it's going to be this much that you're going to have to walk through. It's going to be a narrow gate. You're going to have to be intentional with your life. You're going to have to meditate on me day and night. You're going to have to spend time with me. You know, but, but you know, Scripture, you know, when you go back into Psalms, you know, and it says, you know, that we start walking. We start walking in step with the, with the ungodly. We start spending time. Not a single person in this room was born sinless. We was all born into sin. We all, as, as human nature, you don't teach a kid to steal a cookie out of a cookie jar. They just want the cookie and they take it, right? And so sin is natural to us. And Satan knows that. And Satan is alive and, and Satan is, is roaming all the time. And he knows what it's going to take to get Johnny Morgan to sin. He knows that whenever there's that, that double stuffed Oreo sitting on the counter and there's nobody around, that I'm going to want to eat that double stuffed Oreo even though it's going to make my sugar go out of whack and it's going to make me not healthy. He knows. He knows he, what to do for each one of us. He knows our weaknesses. And that's what it's talking about right there. It's talking about that, um, that Satan is going to attack us. You know, for me, for years, and I've shared this, and, and I'm about to start speed talking because we only got a few more minutes, and so you've got to listen quick. But years ago, for me, hunting, was, that's, where, that's where Satan would put his claws in, and he'd start pulling. And you think, well, that, that's just a, a hobby. But for me, it was more than a hobby. 
For me, it was, it was about the, the competition and it was about the, the camaraderie. And, but what would happen is I would let it consume me. And there was a time that I was, I was hunting with a couple of guys when I was coon hunting and, and they was not walking with God by a long shot. And that was back in the days when I could drink regular Coke, but they would drink beer. And these guys would get stumbling drunk, and I would literally have to bring them home and put their dogs up farm by the time we got home. And so, and we would do that three and four nights a week sometimes. And when one night it was just, I got, we was in the woods, and if you don't come home, I'm not going to go all details because you won't understand what I'm saying about those details. But God said, Johnny, it's time to clean up your act. Johnny, you're not walking with me. You're not even setting a good example for them because you're walking with sin right now. And I had to walk away from it, and I lost friends over that, literally. I mean, kicked rocks at me mad, physically kicked rocks at me. That's how mad they got when I got back and told them. But I knew that if I kept walking, that I was soon going to be standing with them in that. You know, and, and that's what the next step, you walk in sin, then you start standing because this is what you need to remember. It starts right here in your mind. That's your battleground with sin is in your mind. And the battleground, if you're not careful, will consume you. And it'll move from here to here. And it'll take over your heart. You know, so we have to capture this. And, you know, again, Scripture is crystal clear even on our thought process. You know, it says it's not a sin to admire a beautiful man or a woman. But it is a sin to lust and have fantasies about that person. That's Matthew 5, 27. I didn't make that up. It says, while it's not a sin to have angry thoughts about somebody, it is a sin to fantasize about harming or killing that person. Matthew 5, 21. In Matthew 4, 8, it says that our, our thoughts should be true, noble, right, and pure, and admirable. Our mind. Our mind's the battlefield. Our mind is where it starts. We have to capture our mind. That's why do you think all through Scripture it says to meditate day and night? Because it knows that if we leave one out, our thought process is going to get out of whack. And we're going to start, we're going to go from walking to standing. And then it gets to sitting, you know. Then whenever he talks, he says you go from walking with the wicked to standing with the wicked to sitting with the mockers. To sitting with the ones that's going to mock Christ, you know. And, and you think, well, that, that'll never be me. But let's just get honest. How many of us has been there? How many of us, when it says don't sit in the, in the company of mockers, how many of us has been doing something that we know is not right, and yet we'll justify it? Or if somebody calls us out on it, we'll get mad at them. How dare you call my sin out? How dare you tell me what I'm doing is wrong? But deep down, we know it's wrong. We're sitting at that point. We're sitting with the mockers and we're justifying. But what happens when we get to that point? We take words in this, we take scriptures in this, and we throw them out. And we don't listen to them no more. And we say, we just, well, I, I, I'm not going to worry about that scripture where it says that I don't blush no more whenever I sin. I'm not going to worry about that scripture where it tells me that it's going to be a narrow gate for me to have to enter. And so once we get to that point that we're sitting, we start physically tearing pages out of the Bible that we don't want to believe in no more because it makes us feel bad and it don't fit our agenda for how we want to live. And that's not what Christ intends. And that's why Scripture is so clear that over in Matthew, what's it tell us? Enter the narrow gate. Enter the narrow gate. 
this morning? Are we willing to enter the narrow gate this morning? Are we willing to enter that narrow gate? And are we willing to paint our face blue and fight for our families? Are we willing to fight for our kids? Are we willing to fight for the neighborhood kids at Quail Creek that's parents don't know to fight? Are we willing to fight for the kids over here in Richmond and Crestwood that don't know what they should have? Or in Spring Lake or, you know, I, I got it in my house and um, Tammy asked me what there was the other day, but I printed where I could draw a radius around our church. And I drew and I got a shaded radius for 10 miles around our church and five miles around our church and two miles around our church. And I pray for that shaded area because I feel like that's the shadow of our steeple that we could reach easily. There's a lot of people within 10 miles of here. And you think, well, 10 miles, you know, people aren't going to drive 10 miles. You'll drive 20 miles to go to the new mall, you know. You'll drive 50 miles to go to a concert in Lafayette. Why won't you drive 10 miles to come worship a God that's alive and fighting for you? And so I pray for those maps. I pray over those maps that we will reach those people. But first, we have to be willing to change our hearts. We have to be willing to meditate on the law day and night so that we know to fight, so that we learn to blush again, and we learn to enter the narrow gate. Where are you at this morning? Are you willing to enter that narrow gate? Are you willing to rush through that narrow gate with us? Let's pray.